For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the next episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Today's episode, we're going to have an interesting discussion. Just Ryan and I, no Alex Gilstrap, as it is his big weekend. He's going and getting married this weekend. So congrats, Alex, to, for, for that, reaching that accomplishment, which you need the best, and hopefully you have a great weekend. But it's just me and Ryan for today. We don't want him to miss out on any of the discussions for position groups because of his special weekend so today we decided to do an episode on buying or selling early hype for draft prospects in the 2022 class so as we start to get closer to the season there's being a lot there's been a lot of names thrown out there and there's been a lot of guys that are really starting to pick up some steam some of which are justified some of which are certainly not justified they don't really have the talent that lives up to the hype. So we're going to unpack those things. We're going to debunk the hype. We're going to fill you in on everything you need to know about those specific guys. Before we get to that, though, folks, I want to tell you about Bet Online. July is underway and a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you can find it from the NBA and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures. Bet Online has all of the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit their website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So Ryan, you excited to talk about some overhyped and underhyped prospects? Yeah, man. No, it's, it's, it's a great topic. I would have you know wished... Alex Gilstrap, a happy marriage, but I know he doesn't listen to the podcast when he's not here. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll bash him a little bit as much as we can because we know he won't retaliate. He won't say anything because he doesn't listen. Good old James. Good old James Gilstrap. So, first guy I think is, is a really good name to start today's discussion with because there's such a wide spectrum for where he lands on everybody's quarterback rankings. And I'm referring to North Carolina's Sam Howell, a guy who, in his career in college, has been pretty good. He's been one of the better college quarterbacks since he started early on. Pretty highly recruited player, almost went to Florida State, ends up going to North Carolina. And we've reached the point where now he is draft eligible and going to be a part of this 2022 class. And I think it depends on who you talk to, where some people will say, I don't see it with this guy. He's first-round caliber, but not necessarily QB1. Or there's people that are in absolute love with him and say that he is the best quarterback in the class. So, Ryan, for you, Sam Howell, where do you see him? Do you do you buy into the hype that he is a surefire 
top five quarterback pick, or are you selling? Well, I just want to reiterate again. I know you kind of laid it out appropriately, but this is, again, this isn't so much our personal feelings. This is if we're buying into the potential that they could be selected where people are talking about. For a guy like Sam Howell, we're hearing top five pick, top ten pick, somewhere in that ballpark, quarterback one potentially. For me, I've been you know very open about this. I don't think for me that he's in that first one to two quarterback range. I think the first mock draft I did of the season, I think I gave him somewhere in the twenties, which you know in, in actuality quarterbacks tend to rise. So I think that he does have the potential to be a top. 15 to 20 pick. And there's a lot of good things to like about Sam Howell. You know, there's accuracy and he just kind of has a very cool, calm demeanor to play in the quarterback position. You can tell that he's been doing it for a long time, that everything from a technical standpoint is pretty good. Just, you know, he, he takes some unnecessary risks at times. And I don't think that he has the, the greatest physical skill set of all time. I don't think he's the best athlete. I don't think he has the strongest arm of all time, but I think everything is very solid. And I think that he definitely is going to be a, in the first round conversation. I am selling top five, right? I'm absolutely selling that. I don't see that world because I think there's going to be Spencer Rattler and you know how much I like Carson Strong. Like I think there's going to be a couple guys that are going to rise over him just because I think that they are a little more physically gifted. Top 10, is a tough conversation for me. Can I see him sneaking into that eight to 10 range? It's possible for now. I'm also going to sell that. I think that he's a, a better prospect than Mac Jones was coming out. So I do think that he is firmly in that top again, 15 to 20 range, but I think that there's a couple, maybe a little more physically gifted quarterbacks that are going to bump him out of the top five for sure. Top 10. It's kind of hit or miss, but I'm going to sell that part as well. So the thing with me with, with Sam Howell is, and you talked about some of the like physical traits and, and why he might not really fit into that top five conversation, but I, I look at him situationally. He's losing Javonta Williams, Michael Carter, Deami Brown. Yep. There are guys that are not returning from last year and from his first two years as a starter that were a big reason why he was successful. That UNC offense was highly productive, not just because of Sam Howell, but because of all of the athletes that were on that team. So, you know, I look at it now, all those guys that are leaving, I don't know if it's a surefire guarantee that Sam Howell takes a step forward and looks better than he did in the first two years. That is really, really tough to establish good relationships and timing with new receivers, get comfortable with a new running back. He also doesn't have the running game to lean on as much. We can't we can't guarantee that he's going to have – actually, we can pretty much guarantee that he's not going to have the best running back tandem in the country again in this upcoming season. It's just not going to happen. It's unrealistic to assume that they have two other guys in the wings that are available and ready to step up. It's just not going to happen. They're going to need some time to develop. So I'm also selling the the top five, top ten hype. I, I, I feel that this year we're going to get to see Sam Howell for who he actually is as a player. Yeah. And he's still a first-round caliber guy, but circumstantially, it's just it's just too much to buy in for what he's dealing with. Well, and I think also, I mean, so not to sell them too short because there are a couple, you know, pretty talented guys coming back. I know Bo Corrales, the wide receiver, who's had some success for North Carolina. They have Ty Chandler, who's transferring in from the University of Tennessee. So they have a couple guys coming back, but I agree completely with you. And the narrative is very important this year. And people are going to act like, oh, it doesn't really matter. We're going to watch the tape. and But it does. It does. Because if he does similar things to what he did the first two years with a new cast of characters, 
that really speaks volumes to the caliber of quarterback that he is. Even if it takes a slight step step back, I would still say that he kind of proved that it isn't the product of what's around him. He is a obviously the big key part of the machine. So I, I do think that it is a big opportunity for Sam Howell. I think that obviously the chips are stacked against him because not only are you know you're you're losing your top four playmakers from last year. I've heard people, multiple people say, hey, but oh, he's got all five starting offensive linemen back for North Carolina. That's fantastic. Offensive line's not very good, though. So it doesn't really matter <laughs> that you're returning a unit fully intact when, I mean, I like the one kid number, I think he's number 73. His first name's Josh, and, and then he's got a tough name to pronounce, last name. Uh, but they have number 74, uh, who uh, his last name is, I think his name is Jordan Tucker. They have a scene Richards coming back, the other offensive tackle. They just aren't a great offensive line unit right now, That at least they weren't in 2020. So I think there's a lot stacked against them, and I think that the quality parts that people try to point to, well, he's got a, a veteran offensive line. That doesn't always mean that they're good, though. It just means that they've been playing there for a little bit. Our next guy, we have another quarterback in our, our second and only other quarterback on this list, Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty, who right now, similar to Sam Howell, but in a completely different light, yep. where you'll hear from some people that say, wow, this guy needs to be in the QB1 conversation, surefire top five pick, everything along those lines. The other side of the spectrum is he's too inconsistent with accuracy. He, he can't place the ball where it needs to be. This isn't even a first-round guy if I'm a team that needs a quarterback. I'll take a chance on him later on. For you, the hype right now, let's go off of the hype that he's QB1. Are you buying or selling that hype that he's quarterback one? I, I'm, I'm very much selling the, the QB1 conversation because I think, again, I, I mean, if we're, if, we're ta- if we're putting all our chips into the basket of a toolsy quarterback, like why wouldn't you just take Spencer Rattler? He's a more gifted passer. I will say – I am more in the boat where in the ideal situation, the ideal world, I would love Malik Willis to be drafted somewhere on day two because I think that he does have starter upside. I think he's got dynamic upside. But unless he takes a massive step forward, not a, not a small step, a massive step forward, I don't think that it's going to be great, especially early on. But I am buying into, if we're going to you know kind of cast the net a little wider here, First round Malik Willis, I can buy into that. I think that that potential, because I think that there's going to be some teams that are going to say, let's not mess up Lamar Jackson again. And I'm not saying that he is Lamar, because I think Lamar's a little more gifted of an athlete and obviously has a you know taller guy. He's got more of a frame working for him, uh, even though Malik is definitely put together. I, I think that there is going to be some teams that are going to make sure that they don't miss on a dynamic athlete like this again. So I do think that there's potential for the first round. I am completely selling the quarterback one conversation, but I will also kind of, you know, an added layer is the sense of like two years ago, we had Joe Burrow six rounds, preseason grade two, first quarterback off the board. That can never happen again. Well, the year later we get Zach Wilson who came out of nowhere and ascended up to being the second pick in the draft and second quarterback off the board behind a generational talent and Trevor Lawrence. So every every year now, a team's going up. I shouldn't say a team. The media is going to be looking for who's the next guy. Who's the guy that's going to make the dramatic rise? Carson Strong is the guy that I think it's going to be. But I would say if there's another name that could be that guy that could rise into the top ten, I think Malik Willis does have that potential because he is supremely gifted. There's no question about his talent level. So I see. I was thinking when I put Malik Willis down. Originally, it was going to be like top five discussion with Sam Howell. Yeah. 
I'm a little bit hesitant to say QB one. Yeah. But you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy in on that hype Uh-oh. because look, we're we don't necessarily have a proven clear cut QB one right now. We just don't. I know that you are feel very strongly about Carson Strong, and you've said he is your QB one right now. But you just talked about it. You just talked about how supremely talented he is. He's a gifted athlete. He has a very, very good arm. He's just inconsistent with his accuracy. I say if, if he shows improvement on that accuracy and he has a good season this year, just a slight improvement. He doesn't need to take massive steps forward because that's highly unrealistic for him to have, have happened in one offseason. But he's got – I'm blanking on his quarterback coach's name. Um Quincy Jones, right? No, 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 not Quincy Jones. Quincy Avery? Um, Quincy Avery. Quincy Avery. Yeah. I don't know why I said Jones. Quincy Avery. I mean, that's a great quarterback coach. He speaks very, very highly of him. His opinion's usually not always 100% true, but pretty close to it. He always hypes up the guys that he works with. Yeah. I, I just think that this guy has the tools to potentially be that, that QB1. I'm buying in. I want to see him if he can possibly do that. Maybe, probably not first overall pick. I don't think we're going to get a first overall pick at quarterback this year. Oh, but I could see if I I could see if that happens if if it's a couple picks later, he could be the guy. I don't see any reason why not. You don't think that a team's going to draft a quarterback first? What, what are you saying, Kayvon Thibodeau? What are you, what are you what are you getting here, Joe? I would I would, I feel like Kayvon Thibodeau makes more of a case for the first overall pick than any of these quarterbacks. I feel like we, there's no surefire clear cut guy. I think you'd be silly to pass on a guy like Thibodeau for. For one of those quarterbacks, you disagree with the first pick in the 2022 NFL draft. The New York Giants select Kayvon. Oh, <laughs> stop it! Stop. I, it. I mean, I mean, in theory, though, we're talking about you know quarterbacks always rise, and if if a team is drafted first overall, their quarterback position probably sucks. So that's you know, eh. doesn't happen often where like your first overall pick is set at quarterback or maybe they're just young at quarterback and they have promise. Usually if you're the first overall pick, you're in some dire straits at the quarterback position. That's all I'm saying. All right. Fair. It's just a matter of if you're really sold on any of these guys or if you're indifferent and if you'd rather go with an elite defensive player. Do you want to be the team though that passes on a potential franchise quarterback? And maybe you don't think one is, and that completely changes the conversation. But if there's any inkling that, Let's let's just use Spencer Rattler as the example. That Spencer Rattler is a potential, you know, franchise level quarterback that can, you know, lead a team to the promised land potentially if everything's right around him. Do you want to be the team that drafts maybe what is the better player now in Kayvon Thibodeau over a franchise quarterback? I don't know if you want to be that team because I feel like you're putting yourself in a position where Man, that is it. That's just kind of a tough pill to swallow. You know, it's it's like the conversation. Right now it's it's like the conversation with the Broncos right. this year, right? Like the Broncos drafted Pat Sertan, who is a fantastic football player. But if Drew Lock doesn't develop, that means that you passed on Justin Fields, which is like. But it, it's it's also I, I feel like we're not really going to get to that point though, where whoever's picking first overall is going to be like a thousand percent like, oh, this is the guy. We're not even going to think twice about it. Like I. Uh, the counter argument is like, why would you pass up on on the opportunity to take an, a, a guy who appears to be an elite level defensive player? Like, do you think the Browns regret selecting Miles Garrett first overall? I feel like they don't. Yes, I do. I think they regret it every single day. <laughs> okay, all right. So our our next guy. Speaking of regret, if you happen to miss out on this guy who we've hyped up a ton, Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. He is somebody who, and we were talking before the show. 
you see on social media, and I think every other day, someone posts a different clip of Kyle Hamilton and a different thread of Kyle Hamilton talking up hype and why he's going to be supremely talented in the NFL. The guy has all the measurables, six foot four, length, speed, athleticism, ability to play multiple roles within a defense, everything that you want in a defensive player. But it gets a little confusing because how often do we select a safety in the top 10? So right now it seems like that hype is this is a guaranteed surefire top 10 pick. It seems in any mock draft you read right now in any conversation you have with a draft analyst, he's one of those mainstays. There's some volatility with some of the other guys, but he is one of the few that is just consistently locked in the top 10. And I feel like our listeners could probably guess the answer to the question I'm about to ask, but are you buying or selling that top 10 hype for Kyle Hamilton? I'm absolutely buying it, and there's a, co- a few reasons why. I mean, t- so yes, you are absolutely correct, and this is why some people are going to sell this. It's because we haven't seen a safety drafted in the in the top 10 since Jamal Adams, right, came out of LSU. And you could argue that maybe that wasn't – I mean, Jamal Adams is a good player, but, like, is, is he honestly – the impact that Jamal Adams has Jamal Adams has on a defense, is it top 10-worthy impact? I think there's a good debate there because I think that in a coverage perspective, he leaves a little bit to be desired. And it's a passing league, and there's just – that's a deeper conversation that we can have for a different time. Why is Kyle Hamilton worthy of it? For me, the unteachables are obvious to see. 6'4", 220, like let's just highlight him as a football player for a second. 6'4, 220, the best athlete on the field for Notre Dame at all times. He's so gifted and so special of a mover that they put him at single high free safety, even though he's not going to play that in the NFL all the time because, again, he's 6'4, 220. He has no business playing on the roof a ton, but he's the best athlete on the field. And whatever role he – and he does well in that role. I'm not saying that he can't play it at all. He can play it at the NFL. It's just I don't think that's going to be his number one role. When he works from depth, coming up, playing curl flat, playing man in the slot. I mean, we've seen a man up guys like Tutu Atwell who just went in the second round. Nikeem Johnson who's a super shifty slot receiver that just transferred from Syracuse against Amari Rogers, who was a third-round pick. Like he is matched up against these really small slot receivers. And then, hey – Tight end eraser. He's got the 6'4". He's got the long arms. He's got the length. He's got everything to work against different body types in the slot and man coverage. He can rob in zone. He has good ball skills. He's a short tackler. I wouldn't call him like the most fierce hitter of all time, but he's 6'4", 220 with an outrageous tackle radius, and he doesn't miss tackles. I know, Again, I keep talking about this. Pro Football Focus tells me that he missed 10 tackles on the year last year. Show me. Where those missed tackles happen, <laughs> I still haven't found it, Joe. It's, I've watched like five games because, honestly, at this point, I've done my Kyle Hamilton prelim. Like, that's that's in the books. I want to see where those missed tackles are. I still can't find them. Where are they, PFF? Shout out to me. At Rise and Draft. Send me some clips. But <laughs> I, So, as a football player, this kid's special. And that is the thing that makes me completely buy this take is you ask me who's the best player in this draft. I'm going to tell you it's Kyle Hamilton. And for some people that are going to say, oh, maybe it's Kayvon Thibodeau, that's fine. That's an opinion. I, I, I will accept it. But if Kayvon Thibodeau is not the best player in this draft, I mean, if Kayvon Thibodeau is the best player in this draft, then Kyle Hamilton's second. This kid is blue chip. This We talk about generational. We throw out the generational label. If there's any player in this draft that is truly a generational football player, 
I don't think it's Kayvon Thibodeau because we've seen guys like Miles Garrett and Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa and Chase Young and all these ridiculous athletes playing on the edge over the last few years. But you know who is potentially generational? It's Kyle Hamilton, 6'4", 220. When you try to find comps for him, you have to go back like 20 years. You have to go back to guys like Kenny Eastley. And Steve Atwater, because they just don't make guys this size. Sean Taylor, like they don't make these guys very often. I think he's rare. I think he's the best football player in the draft. And even though safety isn't usually valued in the top 10, he's the best football player in the draft. And I think that top 10 is the like the 10th overall selection for me is the floor. This type of football player has to go that high because he's the only player in this draft, in my opinion, that is rare and that could be a generational prospect. Kyle Hamilton has to be top 10. Has to be. Right. That's the debate I think you now have to put yourself into when you're considering this, like you said. Do you value a safety that highly, and why is it worth valuing a safety in the top 10? Because, frankly, a lot of teams are moving away from that. There's a reason why, and the talent hasn't really been there at the safety position, but there's a reason why we see less and less teams investing high draft picks in safeties. But Kyle Hamilton, I don't think necessarily you can pigeonhole and just say this guy's a safety. The guy is a, a defensive weapon. He is an elite athlete. If you don't want him to play safety, I'm sure you could find a more creative role for him. But, you know, as you know, his parents did get upset <laughs> on social media when call, I even mentioned the word linebacker. Call him a second-level defender, okay? We, we don't, he's not a linebacker. He's the linebacker yes, word. This case, he's just an athlete. Fantastic, multidimensional athlete that is – Physically gifted, not in ter- not only in terms of size, but in, in terms of explosiveness and speed and all of the measurables that you want. He's probably going to test some stupid numbers at the combine. There's no reason why this guy shouldn't be top 10. I'm buying that hype. I think the only thing that might kill him is like what we've seen from time to time with elite athletes like this, like Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons is a really good example. Micah Parsons is a really good example. And I understand that they were linebackers. Isaiah Simmons was originally a safety before they moved him to linebacker. For some reason, NFL teams overthink guys like this, and they decide to let him slide out of the top 10, and whichever team does that will regret it the most. Yep, I agree. And I think that whether you're planning on using him on the second level or the third level, he's dynamic in either role that you're going to play. He can blitz off the slot. Like, this guy is just – he's one of those players – where you you start to nitpick the good plays he makes because you just can't find weaknesses in his game. Don't overthink this, man. 6'4", 220, rare. That's what Kyle Hamilton is. Top 10, easy money. Exactly. Easy money for Kyle Hamilton. So our next player, Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State. Yep. And this wide receiver class this year is not like the previous two. We had two historic cycles over the last two years where there were multiple guys worthy of a first-round pick and multiple names that came into the conversation for being wide receiver one. This year, not the case. We don't have guys like that. It's a little bit more of a debate, similar to the quarterback situation, where we don't really know who wide receiver one is. But what we do have is some pretty physically gifted athletes. You know, Traylon Burks from Arkansas, George Pickens from Georgia. And then uh, Garrett Williams, Ohio State receiver, who's a teammate of Chris Olave's. Yet, despite these guys being clearly more physically dominant, having very quality statistical numbers that they've racked up, Olave, and this is actually like one of the few ones where there's not really a lot of volatility. I feel like there's a lot of people that just straight up just 
jump to Chris Olave, wide receiver one. Sometimes it's Garrett Williams, but it's been consistently from what I keep seeing is Olave, wide receiver one. And I honestly question how many, how much film they've watched on Olave and how much film they've watched on these other guys to consider it that. But are you buying or selling the wide receiver one hype for Chris Olave? Before we get there, I just want to say you, you said Garrett Williams by accident instead of Wilson. I just want to throw that out Wilson, there. Wilson, damn it. Well, no, no. So shout out to us because we interviewed so many great people. We interviewed Garrett Williams, the cornerback out of Syracuse. Yes. So shout out to Believe in NFL Draft Prospect Podcast. Check out that interview. Too many names to keep track There's of. A lot yeah, of check names. out that interview. And it's very close. Garrett Williams, Garrett Wilson. It's very close. Am I buying or selling him as the wide receiver one? Absolutely selling. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about this in, my, in our show. Like, I'm a little lower than Olave. I will admit that. I think that he's a good receiver, solid, good route runner, solid. Uh, I should say, so, I, I should say, good deep speed. Like, he, there's just a very clean projection to him. I think he is at worst an adequate number two receiver, which is great. That's a good floor to have. Garrett Wilson, his teammate for me is the better Ohio State receiver. Like, we're just talking about, you know, right on his team. I would take Garrett Wilson before him. I think a lot of the NFL would also. I do think that some of the part of the NFL would also take Chris Olave. So I'm not going to say that it is slam dunk. Like, everyone loves Garrett Wilson over Chris Olave. I'm not saying that because I think that there are some teams that are probably going to prefer Chris Olave because of the technical aspects of his game. But then you throw in guys like Traylon Burks, like you just said, who is – that height, weight, speed freak that could be the big riser. So I am selling Chris Olave as wide receiver one. I think that he does have an opportunity to sneak into the first round. I think he's a late first, early second round. Like that's kind of his bubble. I think that he's pretty solidly in that bubble as well, barring a catastrophically bad season in 2021. But I do think that he has a solid enough floor. I think that there's good things about Chris Olave's game. I just don't, I don't think that ultimately he's going to be the first receiver off the board. I'm selling that part of it. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you here. You probably could have guessed that, folks, from the the way that I, I you know, I led into that. Yeah. Of course, a guy like Chris Olave, his statistics are going to make it seem like he is dominant. But you know, you always have to consider context when we're talking about players, and just separate from just a scouting measure, just players in general. When we're talking about college football players, you have to consider the fact that Ohio State throws the ball very efficiently and effectively. They had one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year in Justin Fields. So for him to rack up multiple 100-yard games, that doesn't surprise me. I feel like if you're one of the top three receivers in that rotation and you're on the field as much as he was, you should be putting up those kinds of numbers. I'm not trying to knock what he did in terms of his production. It's fantastic. He's going to be a highly drafted receiver. I'm sure he'll have a good career in the NFL. But like, are we really that sold on him being so far and ahead more dominant than the other guys that are in the conversation. Like, I just don't think it's, it's really the case. I think you can make just as many cases for these other guys who are a bit more physically gifted, like Traylon Burks, the build that he has, like that, I would be more willing to buy into than what Chris Olave at six foot one and barely 190 pounds. Yeah. And, and the tough part about Olave too, is I feel like last year, if he would have came out, he would have been in the same bucket, like could have slept, could have slept, could have <laughs> Could have snuck into the first round, probably more early second round type of caliber wide receiver. But um, I think that that's just kind of the, the the ceiling for him, though, because he's he's not a guy that <laughs> – would you stop laughing at me, man? So you really just tried to say that, that Chris Olave could have slept his way into – I just continue. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was, that, was a, that was one of the best gaffes. 
I think we've had on this show because it's just total brain fart. It's it's seven o'clock your time. You've been moving shit in your shed all day. So like I get it. Totally understand. It's a hot day in New Jersey, okay? It's a hot day. Worst slip that you possibly could have had because of what that implies Chris Olave would have had to do to get into the first round. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm a a child. I'm 23 years old, former college football player. These are the things I think about. Continue. Okay. So what I was trying to say was the the floor versus ceiling comparison, Traylon Burks. Right now, Traylon Burks, for me, again, is in that same bubble. I would say late first, early second round is where Traylon Burks, that's kind of his sweet spot. Why he could rise to being a mid-first round pick, maybe into top 10, probably not. More than likely, probably top 20 is is what I think his ceiling is. It's because, like you just said, he's 6'3", 225, 230, and fast. And that is a profile for me. He has not hit his best football. Chris Olave, I feel like has just been the same guy, and he's been a good player. There's no doubt about it. He's been a very good and productive receiver from Ohio State for a couple of years now. But am I? Am I? Are you telling me that Chris Olave is going to be so much better than he was last year? I don't think so because the technical side is already good, and I think that physically he's kind of where he's going to be. You know, he's he's not a guy that is physically well put together. He doesn't have a frame that's going to add it and going to be able to carry a ton more weight. I think he is what he is. And that what he is is a good football player. But I think when you're comparing it to a couple of these other guys that have the ability to rise, I think that there are potential risers in this wide receiver room. And I don't see Chris Olave with the same type of effect on this class. Definitely all makes sense. And again, I'm 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 in pretty much agreement with you. And folks know that I'm not the the film guy that you and Alex are, but you know, just the perception of it. I, I think that all 100% makes a, a ton of sense. And it's no knock on him. He's probably going to get drafted highly. He'll probably have an impact in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to consider the circumstance of should he be the clear-cut wide receiver one. So speaking of another guy who's being considered the top player at their position, potential top 10 pick, Evan Neal, offensive tackle out of Alabama, who physically gifted guy, yep. highly recruited player, but at six foot seven, about a three hundred and sixty pounds, the things that that guy that guy can do physically is 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 pretty crazy. There was the video that we reshared on our account where he did the the lunge jump onto for some reason two box yeah two boxes yeah I'm not I'm not sure what the circumstance What's, for doing that was right. My question is like, what is the practicality for doing that? Like why like why would anybody have to do that? Is my question. Balance, explosiveness. I mean, the explosiveness, I get that, but like, why do you have to I agree explode it's a little bit to extra. that you, position? That's just, yeah, yeah I, whatever. I agree it's a little bit extra. You <laughs> can just do a regular box jump. But still, the movement capabilities of this guy yep. to move the way that he can mm-hmm. is is pretty crazy. Yep. And he he's physically at, at a size profile that you typically cannot find for an offensive tackle to move the way that he does. So as I said, considered right now to be offensive tackle one by a lot of people, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Alabama offensive lineman, it's easy to buy into a guy like that. So for you, are you buying or selling that OT1 hype? So And also top 10 pick hype. Right. Um, so we just did the offensive tackle show a couple weeks ago, right? I think that, first and foremost, I think that I, I prefer right now I don't think. I know that I prefer Sean Ryan from UCLA over Evan Neal. I think that he is – I think he has a very high ceiling himself. They're very different football players. But So if you haven't heard like my analysis on Sean Ryan and why I prefer him over Evan Neal, please go back to that show. For this hype, 
do I think that he can go up the first? Can, do I think that he can be the first offensive tackle off the board? Let's start there. Yeah, I do. I absolutely do because we talked about this. Evan Neal is going to be a first round pick. Like, there's no question about this because again, you said it. Six seven, three sixty. Obviously, has athletic skills. He's been a three year start. He'll be a three year starter in the SEC at Alabama at three positions. He's going to go in the first round. Like, there's no question. <laughs> there's zero doubt that he's going to be first round pick. And I think he has a good chance of being in the top 10. I think he has a good chance of being the first off at the tackle of the board. Because, again, we're projecting forward a little bit. And I'm projecting a rise for Sean Ryan that I think that he's going to contend in that conversation. But if if Evan Neal just takes a good, a, a solid step forward, I'm not even talking about a massive step forward, people are going to compare him to Mekhi Becton. And they're going to say, yes, top 10, like slam dunk. Even though I think Becton was like the 11th pick, if I remember. So, like, he didn't even go top 10. Yes. But I think. Well, he was being talked about. Becton was being talked about as a top five guy. And then he ended up going later than some of these other players. And there was a log jam at offensive tackle that year, too, because there were four guys that went in the first 13 picks or 12 picks or whatever it was with Tristan Wirfs and. and, and Jedrick Wills and Andrew Thomas. So obviously very uh, very gifted offensive tackle class that year. This offensive tackle class is very scattershot this year. So I think that Evan Neal, and so to answer the question, yes, I am buying it. I think that he can go offensive tackle one. I think he can go top ten. I think he does have the gifts. And I think that he has the Alabama mantra, three-year start, or all that stuff working for him. So yes, I am buying it. I'm going to buy the hype too. I, I see this as – uh, you know, a clear-cut situation for him, and you highlighted some of the the various aspects of why he's he belongs in that top ten conversation. Multi-year starter has shown some ability to play multiple spots in the offensive line, and I'm just going back to what I led into talking about him. Physically gifted. Yeah. We've seen a tendency where these guys show up at the combine and they test out stupid numbers on their vertical, their forty-yard dash, um, and then there's a lot of hype built up on these offensive linemen who test well. I'm thinking specifically of Tristan Wirfs, who put up some really, really stupid numbers. Makai Becton was another one who you mentioned. I see no reason why that can't happen for Evan Neal. And, you know, maybe some of the – Sean Ryan is, you know, a guy that you've talked very highly of, as you mentioned. Maybe he doesn't test as well as Evan Neal does, and just based on the testing alone, teams just buy into Evan Neal a little bit more, even if Ryan might be a better prospect. What do you – you think that Ryan will test better than him? Dude. Well, uh, relative to size, maybe not because, again, one guy's 360, the other guy's 6'5", 320. So, like, there's a much different mm-hmm. size profile. So, like, when we're talking about the relative athletic score, shout out Ketley Platt, like maybe his relative athletic score will be higher. But Sean Ryan's a freak. There's no doubt in my mind that dude is going to test out of this world, my friend. He's, dude, he's, he should be playing okay. on the Monstars and Space Jam. Like, he's that type of dude. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up with one more guy, Ryan. And I'm going to go with – I know we have a few guys on this list left, but I want to go with somebody who uh, you seemed a bit miffed on why he was being considered to be as – talked about as highly as he is right now. So we're going to go with the wrap-up, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati. Right now it seems like he's getting some first-round buzz. Some people are discussing him as a potential first-round prospect which is interesting to say the least. We've got Derek Stingley. We've got Andrew Booth. Like Those are two guys that are highly likely going to end up in the first round. But do we, do we really think that Ahmad Gardner works into the conversation as well? I don't know if that's really the case. And some of that hype comes from, and I just had it up, but I can't find it. Where is it? Uh, he, oh, no, never mind. I thought 
PFF had him graded highly. I misread something. I think they but do. Regardless, I think they do. He, they do. Apparently, he hasn't given up a touchdown according to P, P, uh, PFF in the last two years or something. Some some stat. Oh no! Here, here here's here's what I thought I saw. Yep. It says finishes PFF's uh, uh, college number six overall corner. Okay, is what it says. Gotcha. Which is pretty high praise for a defensive back. That's amongst everybody last year. Yep. So, are you buying or selling that 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 first round hype? I'm buying. I'm sorry. No, I'm opposite. I'm selling the first round hype. Um, I'm struggling a little bit with Sauce, to be honest. I mean, fantastic name, dude, Sauce Gardner. Like, I, I, I mean, <laughs> that's a first round name. There's no doubt about it. So, he's been a very good player for Cincinnati over the last two years. You mentioned the PFF grade. I apparently he hasn't given up a touchdown. He's had several interceptions. Like, he's been an exceptional player. Only going into his true junior year. He's long. He's got that 6'2 frame. Wiry builds. Uh, technically, I think he's pretty savvy. Like, I think I think there's a lot of good about Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I don't think he's a great athlete. I don't think he's going to test tremendous. I think he's an okay quick twitch guy. Like, I think, you know, he can change directions relatively well. I don't think he has great long speed. And I, I forget what the stat was, Joe. I think he had like 11 penalties last year or something like that. Like my dude is grabby wow. down the field. So there's just some parts of his game that I just get a little worried about. When I was when we were doing our pre-show, kind of talk about him for a second. Like he reminds me a little bit and not same player because they're very different body types and they're not the same stylistically either. But how I feel about Sauce is how I felt about Damon Arnett coming out of Ohio State. That was drafted by the Raiders with a top 20 pick. I felt that Damon Arnett, like late two, early three, I'm good with that. Because I think that there is a solid projection to him as a starting corner, but probably more of a cornerback too. I don't think that he's a high-end corner at the next level. So I, so the long speed, the grabbiness worries me a ton. And I think that this cornerback class, like Derek Stingley, everybody knows about. We, we haven't gotten the cornerbacks yet for summer scouting, but like Andrew Booth is a dog. I think Andrew Booth is going to be in that cornerback one conversation. It's a very talented cornerback class in general. And I think that there's some parts of Sauce Gardner's game that are going to worry a lot of people. Unless he takes a massive step forward, he plays a little more control down the field. He isn't grabby as much. Maybe he shows off a little more long speed than I'm anticipating. Then this conversation can happen. But right now, I am completely selling first round. I think he's much more a day two corner than he is a first round caliber player right now. I'm not as familiar with Ahmad Gardner, I think, as you are, Ryan. Yep. But you know, just from what you've talked about here, he's got a good length. Yep. You know, I see length on this guy, six foot two, one eighty eight. That's that's pretty good size, pretty good length for a defensive back and for a corner. I do see what you're talking about, though, circumstantially. I don't know if like those are like the his physical traits really meet his size and the way that he plays. And you're talking about some issues with the speed. Like that's there's nothing wrong with taking a guy like that on day two to be a piece in your defense. But are you really going to invest a first round pick on a player that is not as physically gifted as you'd hope he would be? And the grabbiness thing, I'm not. I'm never a fan of that with defensive backs. Yeah. If you're grabby and you get called for penalties in college, more often than not, that translates to the next level. Yeah. It, the, the guys get faster. The guys get harder to cover. You're only going to continue to make mistakes. 
So I don't know. I can't really buy into and, a guy like that. I, I and and it's what and got? it's a spot foul in the NFL, man. So if we're grabbing forty what? yards down the field, that's a forty yard penalty, man. Like that drives defensive coordinators crazy. And I just mm. there's just too much that worries me about Sauce right now. I think that there's a, I think there's a lot of things to like, but again, if if we can't turn a run, it's a little troublesome. If we get grabby down the field because. I mean, they're related, right? Like, why do guys get grabbing down the field? Because they're not in the proper position. They're getting because beat. They, they, yeah, yeah, they're getting beat, right? They, they, they're not in proper position because they don't maybe have the foot quickness or there's just a technical flaw at the top of a route where they just get, you know, they're in recovery mode and then they start grabbing. And I think that there's just there's too much of that for me right now to get on board with Sauce. Well, I think that's a good note to wrap up today's episode. Maybe we'll take some time to do another one of these once Alex is back around. Hopefully he returns in one piece from his wedding. Well, congrats again, Alex. James Gilstrap. Folks, be sure to hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel and also on our uh, any podcast feed that you might be tuning in on. Be sure to follow us on social media at NFL Prospects Pod, at Rise and Draft, at Joe DeLeon, at Alex Gilstrap, um, and leave us a review also wherever you might be listening to us. Head to Believe.com also find our show as well as hundreds of other amazing shows talk to you soon folks enjoy the rest of your day For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 